0: Now you're very welcome. Along it's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning, a very special Saturday morning. Pori, good morning to That's you. A very good
1: morning to you, Deirdre. How has the form? The form is fantastic. Sure, it has to be in a day like today with Mayo playing. And as a true Rosie, I'm, I'm sure you're going to uh, your allegiance will come to to Mayo.
0: As I said earlier on, I think the allegiance of nearly the whole country uh, is with Mayo. Uh, I was in the pool yesterday evening. I was talking to somebody who I think is from the Longford area, and they, you know everybody was Every just. The whole, the whole yes. jazz was. You know, we, we are we swimming tomorrow. We are. We'll be doing it early because we'll be watching the match. And God, I hope they do it. So that bit. was yeah, that was um, the kind of the vibe. But I think yeah, absolutely. And uh,
1: talking about supporting uh, Mayo, so just a heads up for 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 our own listeners, the our garden centre in Castlebar. Team Hawkins will be closing early today, so my staff will be uh, hitting off around four o'clock. Uh, so if people want to get in and get their gardening items, get in early today because. Uh, Team Horkin are, are going to be supporting Mayo and, and the team will be closing the garden centre at four o'clock today. Same with the Bailey restaurant that's closing at 330 30. Okay. Uh, so there'll be nobody at home <laughs> from, well, I'd say from four o'clock onwards. So football
0: so, uh, might have been a bit limited anyway at best uh, at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah.
1: look at, uh, we're really looking forward to a great game. And and speaking of looking forward, I mean, the weather is going to be fantastic for the next couple of days. Um, so lots to be done in the garden. And, and one of the, the, the jobs I'm going to do before the match is uh, I was trimming the lawn yesterday and I was just noting that, of course, the bits of moss coming back. And uh, one of the things I'm going to be doing is feeding the lawns this weekend, but also using the zero now at this time of year because with the damp weather, uh, particularly the dew in the morning and that dampness, I see little specks of moss beginning to come back. So my advice is, if you can, over the next couple of days, whilst it's dry, take on of moss and lawns in particular, because as you know, in the springtime, we all, we're always inundated, inundated. With, with the amount of questions. So I always advise that autumn is the time to prevent against moss in your lawns. And if you treat now, maybe again at Christmas time and again in February, you'll just keep the problem at bay. It won't become a problem, a major problem in the springtime. So I always advocate using the likes of zero in the autumn, certainly September, October, and again, Christmas time and, and again in February. And that just nips it in the bud and stops it from becoming a problem and the zero will also give the lawn a lovely green colour it enriches the lawn and a little bit of autumn feed as well um, over the next couple of weeks will just get your lawn back into good condition
0: and uh, I noticed my own as well uh, which needs a trim for sure but uh, kind of see a resurgence of some of the weeds again. Oh yeah, there's a certain amount of
1: broadleaf weeds and Uh, you'll always have that. Um, I like to think that a lot of the weeds are green anyway, so they're not going to, they're not going to be a a major problem. I mean, you can always tolerate a certain amount of weeds in the lawn. If you've got a lot of clover, it is a sign that the lawn needs feeding because clover is a nitrogen fixator and it's an indicator where you see a lot of clover in the lawn that the ground is actually low in nitrogen. So if you feed your lawn, you tend to suppress um, clover in particular and it stops at having the need for using weed killers uh, but autumn is always a good time if you do need if your lawn is particularly a lot of broadleaf weeds, then September is actually a good time to use some weed control because it's very effective and it works really well on the weeds, particularly after feeding. So if you feed first and then apply a long weed control, you'll certainly get um, really good good effects. It's also, I said it last week, really good weather. I've never seen it as good a good autumn for sowing lawns. Soil conditions are absolutely perfect, temperatures are just right, and um, soil moisture levels are absolutely brilliant at the moment. Sowing the, so the the repairing of lawns, the sowing of new lawns for new bills um, or indeed of people who are thinking of putting in some wildflowers. um, The general sowing of seeds, even in your veg garden, I brought you actually in some seeds that you can sow in September. And you'll often see on the packs, you know, the sowing dates will refer to springtime. But there's an awful lot of seeds that we can sow at this time of year directly out of doors. So I've some pea shoots here in my hand. If you sow those from seed, they'll be ready to harvest in six weeks. So you're, you're eating the shoots rather than the actual pods, oh, right. pea shoots. They're fantastic in salads or in sandwiches, particularly in late autumn, early winter. And they are quite tolerant of frost. So you'll, you'll pick them right through, certainly autumn, some parts of winter and, and next spring again. But also things like, there's a lovely, really good variety of cabbage called Wheeler's Imperial. And, and I saw it at this time of year every year because it gives these lovely pointed heads in late spring, early summer. But sow the seeds now, they'll germinate in a couple of weeks. Mustard is a lovely one again if you just want something really simple to sow. These are for sandwiches or microgreens.
0: And that's one you would never think of uh, sowing as a rule. Mustard uh, is a great, Mustard, yeah, yeah. A, as an herb. A,
1: a, as a herb and it's got that lovely spicy tangy flavour so it's absolutely perfect and also things like beetroot. this is one called um, rainbow mix. It's a mixture of different colours and again if you sow those now they're ready in six weeks time. Even turnips, if you sow turnips at this time of year, I know it's. seems a funny time in September Uh, they'll you harvest them about the size of a golf ball in about again six to eight weeks time so we're looking at sowing them now harvest them at the end of October early November and they're really sweet at that time of year so don't be afraid to kale of course that's one called reflex which is a really nice curly Mm -hmm. kale so don't be afraid to if you're digging out potatoes maybe you've got a bit of spare ground I did talk about the green manures and we got a great response to that during the week so people putting on you know maybe digging out uh, vegetables in the garden and they just want to put something in to keep the area green and clean and free of weed, then the green manures are terrific or any of the seeds that I mentioned. And there are lots of plants available at the moment, um, cabbage plants and broccoli plants and um, lettuces, spinach, for example, is available at the moment in plant form. And speaking about vegetables, it's the time to sow our onion sets so these are the little onion set bulbs we've been waiting for them to come in (laughs) and they finally come in this week Uh, so this is a lovely red variety called electric, Um, it's a really nice variety again it's a bulb you supplanted now you can use it as greens through the autumn and winter period but they produce full size bulbs in late May, early June at a typical time when onions are a little bit more expensive in the shop. So they, again, you can pop in at this time of year. Or again, this again is the traditional autumn Japanese onion, which again is planted as a bulb now. And again, will come into growth within a couple of weeks. You can eat it as greens or wait until it produces the full-size bulbs in early spring. Amazing. So they can all be planted safely out of doors at this time of year. The other key thing I'm going to be doing um, again over the next week or 10 days is taking the cuttings of some of your favourite plants. So again, September, early October, if you want some free plants, then this is the time of year to go out and take cutting. This is actually a hydrangea cutting that I took this morning. Yep. You simply take green wood, quite soft wood, Take off all the leaves. If there are any flowers or flower buds, remove them. Dip it into a little bit of the rooting gel. So this is a liquid gel. Oh,
0: right. So this is because I would use the powder. You can
1: use the powder powder. as well.
0: Is this a little more effective?
1: This is is effective in that the gel is, um, it's a liquid. So when you dip it in, it tends to coat not just the base of the the cutting, but part of the stem as well. And it's very effective. So you can use the gel or the traditional powder. A small tub like that will do literally hundreds and hundreds of cuttings. And things like parahebes, hebes, hebes, bodleas, all your favourite garden plants, spireas, hydrangeas, fuchsias, they can all be taken from cuttings at this time of year. they will root in about eight to maybe ten weeks. Right. You need to put them, once you've dipped them into the rooting uh, gel or powder, simply insert them into perlite. It can be 100% perlite if you wish or you can mix some of the perlite with a little bit of compost and in a small pot you'll fit a dozen cuttings, no problem. So short uh, cuttings, about six inches long, strip off the leaves, strip off the flowers, dip them into the gel, into a mixture of perlite and compost and then have it slightly moist but not too wet and cover it with a polythene bag and leave it sitting out of doors somewhere or if you have a greenhouse or a tunnel or a veggie pod is a mm. great place I often root them in the ve- directly Perfect, in the veggie yeah. pod anything like that, even a window box if you have a window box aside, fill it with a bit of perlite and compost and insert some of your favourite garden plants because this is the time of year to take cuttings and they tend to root very rapidly, a six to eight week period so within two months you've got young plants you can simply pot them up and uh, plant them out in the spring and you've got yourself some new plants the other tip I'd give is when you are taking the cuttings remove the end shoot so the the little piece of growth that's right at the tip of the cutting remove that because that encourages the uh, cutting once it starts to root to initiate new growth and you get lots of new growth you get a nice bushy well-branched plant by removing the end growth, that, that final tip on the thing. So
0: we're leaving a few leaves on that particular No, no, on this particular one, one. so yeah, just, just to off? let me
1: show you, yeah, yeah. so I'll take, I'm will take. i stripping all the leaves except off. Except for the very top. Except for the very top and even on the very top I might only leave one leaf. Okay. okay. If it's a very large leaf like a rhododendron or a laurel or something like spotted laurel, I'd actually cut the leaf in half. With a scissors, so we don't
0: don't want to have the leaf pulling too much energy into it, It, and send it down to the roots instead.
1: Exactly. Well, what will happen if you have too much leaf on it? First of all, the leaves will start to rot, and you get botrytis. Secondly, the leaves that are there will absorb, be taking moisture from the cutting itself. So, the less leaf growth. To be honest, if I removed all the leaves, the cutting will still root. But I tend to leave. Uh, one leaf right at the top and if it's a large leaf just slit it in half. So it's really just the point is this is the time of year so if you've got some lavateria for example the mallow I have a lovely one of those in the garden at the moment that I cut back probably six weeks ago it's got lots of new growth and I'm going to take cuttings from those over the weekend. So this is the time of year I suppose to start propagating it's also a good time of year if you've got hostas or any of the spring flowering perennial plants like phlox it's gone over it's gone out of flower nearly now so any of your perennial plants that you want to dig up and divide even though they're still in the green, this is a good time of year to do them. Again with the dry weather can you use the dry weather to get those sort of jobs done. So dig up hostas cut back the foliage, split them into a couple of pieces and plant them. And the final job I'm going to do over the weekend is to plant some bulbs. And
0: you've come in with a load of bulbs
1: And I was, you know, we again going around the centre this morning, I mean I was mesmerised myself with the amount of colour and choice that's there available at the moment. Particularly for listeners maybe that I've put in because there's been a huge trend on wildflower planting and as I always say wildflowers start to flower in June and go on right through onto this time of year but it's a bit devoid of colour in the spring and late spring um, late winter early spring so this is a good time of year to plant up some spring bulbs and <clears throat> a little bit like the, the uh, planting trowel I gave you last week to use you can get actually a special planter for bulbs so you can get a special tool a hand tool or a long handle tool that you use you you press your foot on uh, which makes the perfect hole the right depth for planting bulbs so if you've got say a wildflower area get yourself one of the planting Uh, bulb tools. So it's a specific tool. It removes a core of soil. You drop in the bulb and you drop back in the core of soil. So it makes the planting of bulbs very, very easy. They're easy to do anyway. And I also think it's a great thing to do with children because the one thing about bulbs is whether you put them upside down, sidewards, bury them too deeply, a bulb has, has the great ability of rectifying its position within the soil and of flowering. You're guaranteed they're going to flower, okay. unless they're tiny bulbs. They're going to grow, I, sh- I should say, is probably the, the guarantee I can give with bulbs. So. Loads of different varieties, Mm -hmm. all the Narcissi. So pick the bulbs depending on on where you're planting. If you're putting them in pots and containers, which they're really suitable for, go for nice short-stemmed daffodils or Narcissi. This is one called Minnow, which is a little dwarf variety. It's a two-toned Narcissi. Um, It's a multi-head, so it produces many flowers on the one stem. So every stem it produces, it produces many flowers. And you've got the white and yellow in the flower. It only grows to about six or eight inches in height, so Minnow meaning short, small, small. small, Um, and so it's perfect for pots, containers, maybe under, uh, I'm going to plant some of these maybe where the hostas are because again the hostas won't be showing uh, growth Uh, really until April, May and these will be in flower beforehand. And like
0: there's 30 in that pack.
1: Oh yeah well get yourself a good big pack because you need to be planting them in groups of fives or sevens Sevens. or nines, that clustered effect really is. Don't be planting them in single units all over the place, it'll look too bitty. So always plant bulbs in groups of threes fives or sevens make sure you plant them at least twice their own depth so if the bulb is say two inches deep plant it at least four inches um, okay. four inches of soil above that so put them down well into the soil this is another lovely one called muscari it's a little bit like the oh, bluebells
0: that's gorgeous yeah it's
1: a really nice plant and again it flowers in kind of late spring early summer again really reliable and muscari only grow to about six inches again they're quite short there's plenty of tall bulbs as well um, the hyacinths of course are lovely as well the scented hyacinths they can be planted up at this time of year. Yep. Crocuses, snowdrops, they're all available in your local garden centre. So all of the things like winter aconites, snowdrops, crocuses, all the dwarf daffodils, the tall daffodils, Narcissi family, plant those now, the muscari, Shinodoxia, Bluebells. Tulips should be left for at least another month. So you can certainly get the bulbs, but don't be tempted to plant them just yet because tulips do better if they're planted later in the season. Right. So they need that colder... Period. Otherwise, it can be affected by some diseases in the soil. So, the later planting with tulips, so all tulip varieties, hold them off really until the end of October. They can be planted then. And remember, with bulbs, if you're not ready to put them directly into the soil, you can simply put them into pots and containers. Keep them in those over the winter period, and then when they come into growth in the spring, mm. you can decide where but you've but got some gaps exactly. And a great front project to do with children. You'll often hear me talking about planting bulbs like like a lasagna in layers particularly in pots and containers and that's a really good idea so the short bulbs at the top medium sized bulbs in the centre of the pot and the really tall bulbs right at the bottom Mm -hmm. so you get this layered effect and you can actually buy a pack now of that's called the lasagna
0: (laughs) The lasagna mix, lasagna so get, planting. So oh wow! Get, right. Yeah. So
1: there's a there's for example a collection called it's called the lasagna planting mix, and this is a mixture of muscari, there's um, hyacinths in it and tulips. tulips. So there's two, three different varieties of bulbs that will flower um, and be very compatible. So there you'll see those in your local garden centre at the moment. So really, my Brilliant. point, my advice is. This is a really good time because the amount of calls we get in the springtime, can I still plant my daffodil bulbs? Yeah. And if you do buy them, do, do plant them, please, because they're often forgotten about and thrown in a cupboard. So do get them into the soil as quickly as possible. So they're the key sort of things. The other thing you could be doing at the moment is harvesting tomatoes. So collect the tomatoes. And if you've got a particularly nice variety, it's, it's, tomatoes come true through, um, through to type from the seed so if you've got, say, a miniature variety that has produced lots of fruit this year, you can collect the fruit, simply put it through a um, sieve mm-hmm. and collect the seeds, store them in a brown paper bag, sow those next January and February indoors, and they'll come true to type. So if you have a nice, short, needle little variety that yeah. you particularly like and you don't know the name of it, the seed will come true to type if you hold on to the seed. So it's a good time of year for the collection of seed at the moment and storing of seed to you to sow then next January and February.
0: Okay great stuff. Right let's take a look at some of the questions and we're going to start with brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Uh They're down uh, but they're only starting to sprout now mm-hmm. and Mary is wondering why are they so slow and will there be any use at all?
1: They'll be absolutely perfect. I mean if you think about it brussels sprouts are really our Christmas dinner isn't it the old Brussels sprouts so Brussels sprouts are always they produce their sprouts in, in colder once the temperatures get cooler so really they're a vegetable of October November December right, it's January sort for of them period yeah, so it's just so everything is perfect Mary just continue to leave leave them alone really just keep an eye on them make sure the caterpillars aren't attacking them and that the slugs aren't uh, kept at bay and apart from that let nature take its course they'll form fabulous sprouts over the next six or eight weeks time
0: now uh Somebody, Mary, another Mary, is wondering: Is it too early to dig a plot of potatoes? The crows are attacking them and rooting them out. Now, Mary did put up some kind of barrier, uh, but it didn't stop the crows. Um, wondering: Is there any way to stop them from stealing potatoes? Yeah, depending on
1: what the varieties are, and and, and crows will they'll, they'll attack potatoes at, at this time of year because the potatoes are constantly pushing up towards the surface of the soil as they're as they're you know starting to to uh, swell out mm-hmm. and so on, and and once they're visible, the crows. Will start to pick at them and destroy them a bit like there are wasps on the apple so if the potatoes are ready for harvesting my advice is to get them out of the ground now um, if they're still still too small if they're still developing depending on what variety so if they're kind of a late main crop um, you know something like um golden wonders or curse pink that need a long period in the ground then try to cover them over with some soil or some netting to prevent the birds getting at them but if they're ready for harvesting i would get them out of the soil and use the the dry weather that we're going to have over the next couple of 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 days and they will store quite well so lift them you know clean off as much soil as possible and then put them into uh, paper bags or into trays and and store them in a kind of a dark cool location and they'll store perfectly fine
0: Brilliant. Now, we're going to stay with potatoes for a second and somebody who has harvested their potatoes, yeah. um, they're wondering what weed killer can they use on the ground after harvesting? There's a lot of weeds and also, second to that, what small tree would pork recommend with some colour?
1: Yeah, so weed killers, look at, it. I mean, what I've mentioned last week is, uh, you know, a lot of the weeds, like chickweed and so on, when you can hold them out at this time of year and they will die off, particularly with the dry weather we're having. Um, the digging out of potatoes and soil that's left to keep it clean, one of the best ways is to use the green manures that I mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. So the likes of red clover or phacelia um, sown into that area will help to keep the ground weed free for the winter period. If you, use, you must use a weed killer, use something like weed free 360 which will eliminate any green weeds that are there, particularly if they're strong without contaminating the soil. And again you can use that, the weed free 360 in dry weather. So again the next couple of days. But look, I would favour just holding the area off, raking it out, putting on some green manure seed into the area and that'll act as a cover crop right through the winter.
0: Okay, brilliant. And regarding uh, oh, a, small, a tree. small tree with some colour. Um, well, where to a start a lovely, that?
1: Well, well a lovely tree that's going to give fabulous colour in the next couple of weeks is liquid amber. And if you want to see a beautiful example of it, go down to the Garden Centre in Turlock. We have a couple of we have a lovely tree called Parocea Persica, uh, which is a which is a really nice autumnal tree with beautiful autumn colours. It's just beginning to colour now. Or we've a couple of Liquid Ambers there as well, which again are just beginning to colour. And they're they're called the Sweet Gum Tree. They've got a leaf like a maple. They're green in summer, but during the autumn, they, mm. they have fantastic autumn colours. So that would be quite a nice small tree. Silver Birch, Himalayan Birch, but uh, Cetula is another lovely tree. If you want an evergreen tree for winter colour, there's a tree called Cotoneaster canubia, which again retains the green foliage through the winter. It flowers in the spring. It's got lovely red berries in the autumn, a really nice kind of small to medium sized tree up to about 15 or 16 feet, or maybe something in the Malus family. So Malus Gorgeous or Malus Everest or Malus Golden Hornet. They've got flowers in the spring and beautiful berries that are edible. During the winter, so they're actually miniature apples.
0: Oh, I was going to edible to humans?
1: Oh, edible to everyone. Okay. <laughs> humans and animals, absolutely. Well, they are actually apples. They're, they're apples, little miniature okay. apples. But they're like little cherries hanging off the trees, and they're ap- they're very decorative. You don't have to eat them. Yeah. You can make gra- crab apple jelly from them. They're also a really good tree to pollinate other apple trees in the garden and they're great for nature as well but they're lovely during the autumn period because they've got that those lovely fruits on them and they stay until kind of the end of November. Okay, So, so lo- lots of really good and September, October is a really good time to plant trees in the garden. Okay. They root really well.
0: Brilliant. Um, now, can I take cuttings for laurels this time of yeah, year? Yeah, this
1: would be an excellent time if you want to propagate uh, laurels or escalonia or grissolini. Again, short cuttings, pencil thick, pencil length, so about six inches long. Strip off the lower leaves. Cut the top leaf. Leave one leaf at the top, but cut it in, in half. Dip it into the rooting gel. And you can actually insert them directly out into the garden soil. So if you have a little bit of an area, maybe a spare piece of ground, open a trench, put some sharp sand or gravel into the trench and drop in the cuttings side by side and the root over the winter period giving you new hedging plants for next spring.
0: Now we have some roses with black spots we sprayed earlier but it's still there. Any advice? Well,
1: to be honest, look at any any bits of black spots that are left over now. Don't bother worrying about them. They're going to go out of leaf in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I would kind of be stopping spraying now at this time of year. Any bits of residue of black spot, that's going to fall off. On, off the leaves in once we get into November they can be raked up and disposed of and you're going to be pruning them back in November as well so I wouldn't be getting too worried at this time of year continue to deadhead the roses continue to give them a feed as well because they will continue to flower but a little bit of black spot on them or mildew is not going to do them a whole lot of damage now
0: Okay great uh, I have a Lalandii hedge it's at least 9 foot tall and 3 foot wide but I don't like it as it's too near my house can I lower it down and when is the best time to do this?
1: You can certainly lower it down. So, that, so reducing the height of lilandiae, there's no problem doing that. However, on the sides, taking it, reducing the kind of width of the mm. tr- of the hedge, can be. Um, you need to be very careful with that because if you cut into too much of old wood, lilandiae will not reshoot again. So, you, you can cut the sides certainly into green wood. Um, leaving at least a portion of green growth once the you 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 trim it back, because if you cut back too hard, it's just not going to regenerate again. So you can certainly drop the height by two, three, four feet if you want. Prune it right back, trim in the sides by maybe a foot or fifteen inches, but don't go back into old wood, or it won't re shoot again. And maybe long term consider. Um, you know, maybe replacing it with something that's going to be less vigorous and easier to manage like beech or crystalline or, or something more manageable
0: Something that doesn't need as much pruning yeah. um, How do we get rid of wild rhubarb at six foot tall, says John
1: Okay, so this is the gunnera, uh, gunnera which again you see in parts of Akal and Mulrani and it spreads it spreads, it's one of our invasive species This is actually a good time of year to treat it because um, autumn as many of, of the weeds are beginning to die back they're a little bit weaker mm-hmm. um, and while rhubarb tends to respond to um, sprays like Garlon, which are often used on uh, kind of brambles or, or more woodier um, weeds you will find by using Garlon it will knock it back but if it's six feet tall and quite strong you will have to repeat the spray John over a couple of years to actually get rid of it or also try some of the brushwood killers they can SPK brushwood killer can be quite effective on gunner as well but, okay. it, but it is a, a little bit like Japanese knotweed or any of those invasive species. You need to repeat the treatments over a number of years.
0: I, in fact, I, I think we may have a question on <clears throat> Japanese knotweed here somewhere, Bork, if I can uh, locate that. Oh, maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, we have a question about black currant bushes. Um, They've holes in them. What can I put on them? Ask Zanby. Well,
1: Anna, again, like blackcurrants, you've taken the fruit off them now. Any markings, like you're always going to get a little bit of caterpillar damage or capsid bug damage or slugs and snails can affect the leaves of uh, blackcurrants. The good news is they're such a tough, robust plant, a little bit of leaf damage is absolutely no harm whatsoever. So I wouldn't bother treating them with anything at the moment. Leave them alone. A bit like the rose question, they're going to go out a leaf in November. That's the time of year you're you're going to be pruning them back as well. So... Why bother? Okay. Don't, don't, <laughs> Why don't, bother? don't worry about it Don't much. worry about them. Let, let, let whatever's eating at the moment, let them munch away in the leaves. The leaves are going to fall in November anyway. Now, it's not going to harm the, the overall growth and health of the trees long term or the blackbirds long term.
0: Great. Now, I know we mentioned this already, but we'll give it a blast again because somebody's yeah, wondering, what time are you closing today? They want to get some zero before so we'll you be close. So, we be gone off
1: the premises at 4 o'clock or shortly after 4 o'clock. So, get down so get in now early. after 10. Get in early, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. the bay leaf will be closed at 3.30, so um, yeah, okay. get in early.
0: Palm trees that grew from mm-hmm. seed on gravel, some at three foot high. Now, oh. can I move them?
1: Yeah, it depends what they mean by palm, palm trees, so it could yeah. be conifers or it could be cord line, maybe the cord lines, they, they often self seed and the seed will germinate, particularly in gravel. And gravel is a great medium. Remember I was telling you about the tropolinium that we, we had back in yes. springtime, they all um, germinated just in gravel in, in my garden uh, last year. So, And the great thing about gravel is that seedlings are very easy to transplant from gravel, they'll come out of the gravel quite easy. So my advice is actually to move them now, so lift them, you Can either transplant them into other areas of the garden, give them away to family and friends, or put them into pots and containers and um, they, you know, grow them on maybe for a year or two and then plant them where you want them to to go. So it's a perfect time of year to lift them.
0: Now we've a lawn badly neglected, loads of weeds, hard grass, etc. We want to kill it off naturally
1: what do you suggest? Is that possible? (laughs) Well it's a difficult one because... (laughs)
0: Maybe get a sheep in on it? (laughs)
1: Yeah well you see a lot of the, you have a lot of, um, I mean you'll often see on on social media the use of vinegar and um, vinegar is basically acetic acid which scorches back plants but doesn't kill the roots of plants so when you use it on things like dandelions and docks and so on, um, aesthetically it looks like you're killing them off because the leaves uh, drop away but the roots are left behind and the, and the weeds come back up again um, you could you could scraw the area, I mean you could, could kind of physically dig it over and, and take off any grass and weeds uh, literally by digging it through and, and taking the roots of them you could cover it with black polythene so if you cover it with black polythene for four to six months everything beneath the black polythene will die um, and, and that will be one way uh, to do it, uh, you know having said that generally what we, we normally do when sowing a new lawn particularly if there's a lot of weeds there, we use something like the Weed Free 360 because at least when it hits the soil, it becomes neutralised and it doesn't affect any seeds or anything else you're going to put into the into the soil. So if you use that, it'll be ready for sowing within seven to 10 days or certainly the soil will it'll be ready for tilling over and sowing new seed. So depending okay. on, yeah
0: depending on um, ok and we'll uh, take this one and then go for a break uh, I'd love to grow a hedge what is the best one to grow fast I live near Belmullet
1: well there's a couple of choices you have so Belmullet you're dealing with the wind obviously and the salt air um, some of the best are Iliagnus abengii which is a really good solid silver leafed um, hedging plant tolerates the salt and wind and you'll see the best of examples of Iliagnus in places like ackle and Mulrani and Lewisburg and Leenon and so on they're to- Tolerates the wind really well. Makes a beautiful silver foliage hedge. It flowers in the autumn. It's got a white flower in the autumn, and um, often you get some little fruits on it as well. So that's a really nice one called Iliagnus abengii or, or um, Silver Edge. Um, you've also got the traditional Escalonia, Griselinia that do well in seaside areas mm. as well. So just make sure that it's whatever you're putting in is something that will tolerate the salt and the wind. Kind of hardy. Yeah.
0: Lovely. We're kind of filtering through the photographs and then. Goodness me, Anne and Fallon Robe. The grapes, they're amazing. Yeah, grape so, Anne has Great sent point. us in a couple of uh, photographs, Porik, as you've seen there. Um, her question is Should I take the leaves off now so the rest of the fruits will ripen? Uh, they're still uh, in bunches. And like loads of bunches, this is
1: it's really, fabulous. Really well, yeah. yeah, so it's a great example of a a, a a black grape. Now they come in black and, and they come in green. Uh, this is probably black Hamburg, which is a lovely dark purple. Uh, fruiting grape variety and grapes do really well in Ireland in obviously they need to be in a greenhouse it's, yeah
0: I can see you can sort of see the background yeah, there there's a, as, a greenhouse yeah. there
1: greenhouse are tunnel area um, to grow them but they're you know and they grow quite vigorously and in a summer like this that we've you know we've got a reasonable amount of heat this year grapes do really really well so Anna's asking a great question because this is co- it's coming up to the time of year for the bunches to ripen and you do need to let the light in so I would take away some of the foliage A little like we do with tomatoes, remove some of the, particularly around the bunches of grapes that are ripening. Let the light in because it needs the light to ripen the fruit. Um, some of them are ready for picking.
0: That, like I mean, that bunch. Uh, there that is bunch is totally really absolutely ready for picking. I can, I can almost picking. taste them. Though, they look yeah, fabulous. They look
1: fantastic. So yeah, it, th- this is the time of year to remove some of the foliage, particularly around the bunches, um, and and they're ripening really well. I, was, I would normally advise to thin yeah. out some of the bunches just to let more energy. But they're actually of a very good size, and even the other photograph with the, with the green the,
0: with the more, they're, they're yeah.
1: of an excellent size, so they will ripen no problem by the end of October. So take off some of the foliage. Continue. To liquid feed, and and they'll ripen, particularly as we get into cooler temperatures. Now they'll ripen lovely. Okay. So it's a great example. Of, of how well grapes do, do. do in Ireland. Absolutely,
0: yeah. they really yeah, yeah. are stunning. Thanks thanks for sending that in, Anne. uh Now, we did say we had a question about Japanese knotweed and nettles. They're choking other plants. Any advice on that front?
1: Yeah, so Japanese knotweed is, is um, one of the invasive species and, and really if you have it in the garden, you should notify the local county council yes. that it's present um, because to to remove it or to take any piece of it or to cause it to spread into other um, gardens or areas is actually an offence so um, it, it's kind of taken very seriously uh, Japanese knotweed does respond well to the application of um, again something like the weed free 360 will control it um, so you could certainly apply that at this time of year would be a good time to apply it and again it will control the nettles as well uh, but don't do anything it, it generally Japanese knotweed is spread by vegetative methods so where people are strimming it or they're Taking pieces of it or digging the soil around it and spreading it—that's how it has spread throughout Ireland, and it's a, a total nuisance. A total
0: nuisance, and you'll yeah. see—you'll see those signs up Everywhere. along roadways, and yeah. a lot—all the local authorities have them. That they, they really have, have a, a campaign on that people uh, are aware of the Japanese knotweed, and that you really just don't go near it. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um now we've got a photograph. In can you mm-hmm. please identify this plant, please, Porik? It's growing in a blue pot, says Sarah. Uh, <laughs> Now, so we also have nasturtiums and we have a dahlia. There's dahlia in the background, yeah. yeah. No,
1: the blue pot <laughs> isn't giving us any, any uh, help with this. But anyway, it, it looks to me like salvia, like one of the perennial salvias. Um, salvias tend to have square stems and they have... Um, opposite leaves. So the leaves tend to join the stem right opposite one another. So it looks to me like one of the perennial um, uh, salvias. I would actually cut this plant back. It's a little bit leggy and plant it out of doors. So it's better to come out of the pot and get it into the uh, outdoor areas. Outdoor perennial salvias are totally hardy out of doors. And they're, they're in the sage family, the same as, as sage um, and beautiful in flower and great for the bees as well.
0: Now, Anne-Marie has an area of grass to one side of an avenue, uh, which she no longer wishes to keep as a lawn, uh, fancies a bit of a wildflower area. Where do we start with that? It's a large area of grass. Now, I don't know what that means. Sorry to know. Yeah, Uh, yeah. so
1: there's a couple of options here. I mean, Anne-Marie could turn it into um, a lawn meadow, which is kind of in between uh, a lawn, a traditional lawn yeah. and a wild meadow grass. And really all you need to do is just allow the weeds that are there to flower. So cut the, that area, you know, about once a month or once every six weeks. And by doing that, by physically cutting it every six weeks, even though you're cutting back some of the wildflowers, it actually stimulates them to produce new flowers because you'll notice in your own garden, once the dandelion finishes flowering and produces seeds, it doesn't really reflower again. But if you actually try trim it every couple of weeks, it'll continue to reflower because it hasn't finished its function of producing seed. And the same applies to clover and any of the weeds that we traditionally would find in our lawns. Um, so trim it maybe once every six weeks. The other thing I would do is simply plant some spring bulbs into it. Right. So just fill it up with snowdrops and crocuses and winter aconites and uh, the dwarf minnow, daffodils that I mentioned. All of those are loved by bees in early, particularly crocuses are one of the favorite uh, flowering spring bulbs by bees because they're out in late February, early March, yeah. and that's the time of year where bees are actually looking for pollen. So, by putting those into that lawn area, so you do, Amory, just actually need to do an awful lot. Just let the grass grow, let the weeds grow, and then introduce some bulbs into the area as well. And by pick, picking different varieties, like winter aconites will flower late November, December, uh, snowdrops, as you know, will flower in January, crooks are flowering in February. So, you can actually have bulbs flowering for nearly five months of the year by picking the different varieties.
0: Okay, fantastic. Somebody is wondering about a copper beech hedge. When can you cut back a copper beech hedge? Uh, It's two years old. Also, when is the best time to sow a copper beech hedge?
1: So the planting of beech, um, and beech comes in green and purple forms, they all go that coppery colour in the winter. Uh, But if you want a nice bit of colour during the summer, then make sure you get purple beech from your local garden centre and that's generally available about the middle of November is a really good time to plant. If you want the hedge to give you a bit of privacy, if privacy is important, because remember, the leaf withers, but it stays on, or 60% of the leaves stay on over the winter period. But you will see through it if you plant it as a single line. If you want privacy, Mm -hmm. keeping the neighbours from looking in during the winter, then double plant so st- to put two rows in and stagger plant them, that's important if you want some privacy, particularly good. in the winter period. Um, so November is the time to plant right up till early March. In terms of trimming them, to be honest, you can trim them at any time of year, but now is a good time. I mean, I, I think we had this question, that similar question last week, and I mentioned I need to trim my own copper beech hedge, yes. which I haven't done. But so in the next week or so, I'll get around to trimming it. So it can be trimmed at any time from now, right through till early March, whenever suits. Um, so, and trim it once a year. It's a beautiful hedge. So easy to grow, and it only needs a light trimming once a year. It's a really, really, it's it's probably one of the best hedges I think. Yeah, Frost hardy, yeah. you know, and particularly in rural gardens. In if you're in the rural area. It, I think it looks a lot more natural than laurel or some of the evergreen hedges. It yes, it's yes, a beautiful yes, hedge. It
0: is, it is absolutely. Yeah. <coughs> okay, we're moving on to a, a question as to whether this might be boxes or privet. I'm looking to take boxes, cuttings for a driveway, boundary says Tom.
1: Yeah, so Tom, this is boxwood, um, so boxes and again, a super time to take cuttings from them. Exactly the same procedure that I mentioned earlier, Tom, you're just removing all of the lower leaves off the plants. Take the cuttings again, no more than about five, six inches in length strip off the leaves into the rooting gel, into a bit of perlite and compost and they'll root over the winter period. You'll have fabulous young plants for planting out next spring. When you're planting them, space them about six inches apart. You want them close together uh, when you're planting the hedge because it is very, very slow growing.
0: Okay, now we have... uh We've got a camellia in a pot, <laughs> right? And, it uh, used to be a camellia. It used to be a camellia. <laughs> that's such a. So, this happens every time. It's a photograph uh, of pretty much a dead plant uh, by the looks of things. Uh, used ericaceous soil. I'm careful not to overwater or allow it to dry out. Why is
1: this happening every time? Well, first of all the the photograph is showing us the the dead camellia plant in a pot Um, And it's
0: inside. It's
1: inside, so obviously camellias are outdoor plants so they should be left out. Um, Fine to bring into a conservatory or maybe greenhouse or tunnel in the winter months, you know any time from kind of November onwards if you want them to flower early, but they shouldn't be kept indoors in any, uh, you know in, in the house sort of thing, they're an outdoor plant Secondly, they're a woodland plant and which means they need lots of moisture, kind of semi-shade plenty of moisture. Looking at the pot here, I know the plant is dead but the compost is actually very dry uh, in the pot and the pot is a little bit small for the size of the plant so my advice really is when growing camellias, yes they do need to be an ericaceous compost, they do need to be fed with ericaceous feed, particularly from, in a dry periods need plenty of watering but particularly in the autumn period they're forming their flower buds at this time of year so if you have them in pots and containers, even though Though, I mean, the weather has been relatively dry. We've had some rain, but if they're up against Mm. the house, they can be in a rain shadow and they can get dry quite easily. So do keep an eye on them. Keep them well watered. Keep them well fed at this time of year. And if you do those couple of simple things... They should, should be very successful for you.
0: Okay, great. So try again. Try again, hmm. try again. And outside this time. Yeah. Um, now we've got a very healthy looking something or other here, Porek. Uh, Can I cut it back? I don't know what the name of it is, but it's taking over.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So this is this is a, a plant called Viburnum davidii.
0: Okay, we're it's, outside of the garden at this point. Yeah,
1: so it's a, it's an evergreen, outdoor, ground covering plant. And it's probably three metres in diameter, looking at the picture. Um. The answer is you can cut it back. I wouldn't do any pruning until next February, March because if you prune it now, it will remain with that haircut look and disheveled look right through the winter. It'll be very unsightly. So leave it as it is. It is c- coming over onto the um, Adam, the driveway area, as you can see. Um, so I would leave it until late February, early March. Give it a good hard trimming back at that time of year. Give it a good feed and it'll come back into growth again and you'll be able to keep it managed um, from there on in so every spring give it a light trimming back and that'll keep the shape
0: okay lovely,
1: lovely plant though it right, looks, yeah. Yeah, it's like a really a really good ground covering plant viburnum davidii evergreen flowers super easy to grow covers the the ground
0: flowers uh, any particular colours or a variety they're
1: they're white the flowers are white on them like typical uh, um, viburnums but you know great ground covering plant it's just planted too close to To the the edge edge and it's just coming over yeah yeah. so prune it back in in, uh, late February March of next year
0: brilliant I'm just going to move back over uh, to a couple of texts here Paul my tomatoes they're cracking they're a decent size why would this be
1: well cracking typically cracking on tomatoes is an indication that they have had irregular watering so if you if you dry as you can imagine mm. the fruit the skin gets very tight on the on the the developing tomato once you give it heavy watering it that skin is, still remains tight but the flesh inside is beginning to swell and you get this cracking they're still totally usable um, so I would pick those tomatoes use them they're still edible cut out maybe the piece that's just been uh, ha- has been split um, but apart from that so you just need to con- eat cons- consistent watering with tomatoes and particularly in, in late summer early autumn that can be difficult because they're drying out so quickly I'm not saying keep them excessively wet mm. either uh, generally watering this time of year a heavy soaking once a week or once every five days is generally sufficient depending on the size of the pots the rain or the soil the rain. Uh, but cracking is just just an indication of moisture. moisture. Yeah.
0: Okay, one or two more quick ones before yeah. we wrap up. I want to use seaweed to grow a garden next spring. Should I put the seaweed in on the plants now or in place now or wait until spring? No,
1: ideally, seaweed obviously is going to ta- contain a certain amount of salt. So my advice really is to put it into a, into a heap for the winter, leave it exposed to the um, rain and the rain will wash all the sea, the salt off the plants um, and it'll be very usable then next spring. So take it now, leave it out in a pile over the winter and use it then from late January, February, you know, Put it on your rhubarb or into your vegetable garden. Seaweed fertiliser is absolutely fantastic. Okay, potatoes, all that.
0: Here's an interesting one. Uh, what would be a suitable plant, a tree, for planting in a church grounds, with the emphasis being on carbon absorption? Oh yeah,
1: great question. And and well, remember that all trees absorb carbon dioxide and they excrete oxygen. Um, so so you know, obviously you you need to pick the location, and if it's if you've got plenty of room, mm. some of the trees I would favour would be things like. Like tilia, the lime trees, they're absolutely brilliant. They've got big broad leaves they're brilliant for biodiversity because when they flower, the bees absolutely love the, the flowers of lime trees. Um, but they the, because the leaf is so big, it absorbs a huge amount of carbon dioxide and excretes oxygen. So that would be one for me. Um, maybe, again, it, the liquid amber would be another good choice. Some of the maples are excellent as well for absorbing um, carbon dioxide. So some of the uh, big-leaved maples, particularly the, the kind of Norway maples, you've got Crimson King, Crimson Century, Acer tromondii, any of those large-leaved maples would be super as well. So depending on the space that you've got, if there's plenty of room, go for a nice big broadleaf tree. So tilias, lime trees would be lovely. Um, as I say, the, uh, any of the maples would be excellent so as well.
0: what you're looking at is big leaf cover.
1: large there. leaf cover because the, the li- bigger the leaf, the more, the more carbon. Absorbed. Generally, trees will absorb a tonne of carbon in their lifetime. That's kind of a, a standard measurement. So... Think of that. Every tree that's planted is a, a tonne, tonne of, of carbon, carbon absorbed out of the atmosphere. Okay, but it's
0: in, in, in its lifetime, so that's over, its lifetime. over a long period. Yeah, over a long yeah. period. Yeah.
1: But particularly trees like Tilia's, lime trees, they're bringing for biodiversity in general because they support bees and lots of other pollinating insects as well.
0: OK, we're going to have to leave it at that, I'm afraid, Porik. Time OK, is so remember,
1: the garden centre closes at 4 o'clock. We'll be gone out of there at 4 o'clock today <laughs> supporting the Mayo team. Oh, and uh, the weather's going to be fantastic. So really great gardening weather for the next yeah. couple of days and lots of things to be done in the garden. Okay, so brilliant. enjoy
0: it. Yeah, I, I hope it smiles all around next as Saturday will, when, we're, we're very when we're positive. chatting again. Thank you so much for all of that. Uh, do on by Michael Neary coming your way after 10, of course, that giveaway uh, on the programme as well. In Relation to those match programs. Um, all that remains for me, I think, at this point is to say good night, Thal. Until next Saturday, good morning to you.